and welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you are joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It is because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to give there as well. Again, we are so excited to get ready to hear a powerful message from God's Word. Blessings to you. I need to know if anybody's ready for some fun today, because I just, I just feel like having fun. And if y'all don't like having fun in church, then this is not going to be your church. But I need to know if anybody's ready to have a little fun, because we're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to preach, so don't get too excited, but there you go. But I need to know, is anybody ready to have a little fun? Did they talk to me in this place? Are y'all ready? We're continuing our series, Marvel, Experiencing the Miracles of Jesus. We're going to experience a little bit different today. The title of the message is Eaton. Someone say Eaton. Don't put a G on it. It's not eating. It's eating with Jesus. And so I called it, and I don't know. It, yeah. Jordan, I told Jordan in my office when we were about to pray with the worship team that I titled, the subtitle was Restaurant All Things Are Possible, because y'all seen the restaurant, Restaurant Impossible, and Jordan didn't like it. He made fun of me. So my heart's a little hurt. I'm coming out with a little bit of insecurity just to let y'all know, just kidding on that, by the way. But Restaurant All Things Are Possible. And so what I want us to do today is to experience this restaurant, this meal with Jesus together and for us to sit down and, and look at this particular miracle, which is the feeding of the 5,000, a little bit differently. Now, I'm not going to change what happened because what happened happened, right? So, so we're not going to try to make something new out of this, but we're going to try to look at it in a different way. And the point in us looking at it in a different way is this. What is it that God wanted us to receive from this story? Because if the only thing that we get is a dude, this little kid had these five loaves, quote unquote, and two little fishies, and it's all good, and praise the Lord, and look, he can make your five loaves and two fish become enough to feed about 20,000 people. Like, we might miss the point, right? Because I'm not sure if you got some sunbeam up in your house and some sardines that you're about to feed 20,000 people. If you want to try, in the name of Jesus, I'm proud of you. I'm not coming with you, right? I don't, I don't think that's the point. So, so there is a point, and this is what I believe the point is. I believe the point is to understand what desire means and need means and to, and to decide this, this question. Listen to me. What is it that drives me? What is it that really drives me? What is it that I can identify in my life that's the thing that wakes me up in the morning, gets me going, gets me excited? Because for all of us, it's either Jesus... His righteousness, his way, or it's my own personal desires. Now, God made us to have desires. I'm going to hit on it a little bit more. Desires are not a bad thing. And the Bible does say he will give us the desires of our heart, but it's only to those who delight themselves in the Lord. And so we can't miss the point. Desire is having a strong feeling of wanting something or wishing for something to happen. And so all of us have this tension that we all know that we have desires that are pulling us constantly in our life. There's not one person in this room that doesn't have some desires. If you don't have any desires, you are dead. 
Okay? And so I'm looking around. Don't think we have any... Don't think we have any corpses up in this mug today. So I think everybody's alive. I might change my mind in a minute if y'all aren't talking to me. So hopefully y'all will keep jabbering with me a little bit. But needs are circumstances in which things become necessities. So watch this. God wants to take this and highlight your need for him. The enemy wants this for your life to become everything that you focus on. If, 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 if you are successful in your life and you feel like I don't need anything because I'm getting all that I want, then maybe you've missed the point. Now listen, it's awesome to be successful, but maybe you've missed the point because the enemy is capable of giving you what you want as long as you forget what you need. And so, so like the bigger picture is this, and this is where I think the tension lies. As we go into this restaurant and start having some fun together, this is where I think the tension lies. And this is what all of us must ask ourselves. Where am I? And this whole thing with desire and need, where am I? What is it that really drives me? What is it that really drives me? Am I number one first and foremost? When I pray is the only thing that I pray about what I need. Because the Bible says that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, so anything that I need will be added unto me. I don't have to ever pray for what I need. It is supplied according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so if I'm stressing about what, what I need, but I'm going after what I want, this sounds a lot like the United States of America, doesn't it? Then I find my problem. And so here's what I believe Jesus wants you to know as we walk in and begin to have fun in restaurant. All things are possible today. God wants you to understand what you need. And he did this on purpose. You know what I think is so amazing about studying these miracles is everything that God does. Every time he speaks today, every time he spoke in the Bible, everything that Jesus did was on purpose. And it wasn't just to do a cool miracle. It was to show us our purpose. So let me say this about purpose and I'm going to jump right in. Here's what purpose is. Purpose happens when I look out and I realize that I'm not the end. If you think that you're the end of anybody's thing, well, if they can just get connected with me, then they're good. <laughs> purpose happens when I realize that Jesus is all they need and I'm a means to his end. When I get that, I get purpose. So what I really believe about this story is you can find your purpose if you find out what this really means. And most of us don't know what our purpose is in life, and you can tell that by the fruit of our lives. And so if you want to know the purpose for your life, you came to the right restaurant today, everybody. Come on. So here we go. The first thing that we get at restaurant, all things are possible, eating with Jesus, is the menu. And I'm talking about the outside menu at the restaurant. Now, all of y'all have seen this before, right? If you walk in downtown Greenville and you're not familiar with the restaurants... Before you walk in, maybe, maybe this isn't you. And if this isn't you, then praise God for you because you're the exception to the rule. But, but if you don't know about it, or like you're in downtown Atlanta, you want to find a cool place to, to go eat or, or someplace that you're not familiar with, the first thing that you do is you go and you, you kind of window shop in the restaurant and then you look at this right here. Uh-huh. Now, we're going to talk about cost next. <laughs> I know what. But, but you look at the menu, and if the menu looks jacked up, right, you're going to go, nah, I'm out. 
Because you can tell a lot just by the menu. So we need to find out in John chapter 6 what's on the menu today. John chapter 6, starting verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And it's this lake in the northern part of Israel, and it's awesome, and I've gotten to ride boats on it, and I'm going to take y'all in 2019, so go ahead and sign up today in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. There you go. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the sign that he was doing on the sick. Now listen, if you've got talent in your life, a large crowd will follow you, but that doesn't mean that they should be connected to you. So every time Jesus got a large crowd, I find this fascinating, he went to the other side. Because he knew that they were following him, not for what he was, but for what he could do for them. And so just because you're able to draw a crowd does not mean you're walking with the Lord. This has nothing to do with the message. I'm just throwing that in there for whoever wants it. Here we go. This is what's on the menu. Watch this. It says, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, anytime you read the Bible and you see something that you're like, why is that in there? You should circle it, star it, and then find out why it's in there. And when I was reading this story that I've preached literally dozens of times, I've talked about the feeding of 5,000. You can find it in all four Gospels. It's really cool. And then, but this line, because remember, if you were here last week, John said, these are written that you might believe and have life in his name. Everything that I wrote is so that you can experience Jesus and have life in his name, so that you can find your purpose in Jesus. And he says this in the middle of this, of this cool narrative about the feeding of the 5,000. He just stops and says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. So like, if you just read these verses in order, you go, hmm. Like, he could have just kept going, right? The next verse, this, this doesn't even make sense, but it makes perfect sense because the feasts, and, and I don't have time to break all this down. I wish I did because it's so much fun and so cool, but the feasts are so important even today in the Jewish culture. And they don't miss a beat when it comes to the Passover. And so I have the main menu item for the Passover. Because, let me show you, because when the Passover is taking place, they roast a lamb. It takes time. It's a slow roast for the lamb. And the reason that they roast the lamb is because we know that the Passover in Exodus chapter 12 is when on the 10th plague, when God was rescuing his people from, from Egypt, he had done nine terrible plagues. Pharaoh's heart kept getting hard. And then finally he killed the firstborn son of every single person, every single firstborn son that was in Egypt, except for the ones that sacrificed the lamb and spread the blood over the doorpost. And it says, and so, so from that point on, the Jews would celebrate Passover with roasting a lamb and they would only eat unleavened bread. And it says on the first day of, the unle of unleavened, unleavened bread, so they go together. The, the first day of unleavened bread and Passover is the same time. And it says when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, but they weren't eating it right then, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, here's why I'm holding this matzo bread. This matzo bread is, you can buy it at any grocery store. Our Ingalls by our house has a Jewish section. And so that box with this, I just think it's cool that there's five. There's actually 10, but there's five for y'all and five for the second service, so just go with it. <laughs> but they come in packs of five, and I think it's because the Lord wanted me to have this for this story. 
But I just want y'all to see this, and I'm going to talk about it a little more. The Passover was at hand. What's on the menu? Now, the Bible says that it was barley loaves. But what I believe in my heart, based on the context of what was taking place, that the Passover was at hand, and that the Passover really at hand means that the day of unleavened bread was on us, that this is what they would have eaten. And since the beginning of time that the Jewish people were making Passover bread, it is not the little bit of Tic Tac bread that we get when we do Passover or communion, right? When we take communion, you get that little bread that's as big as your pinky nail, and you go, wow, this is awesome, and you press it on your tongue, and you do your thing. But this is what their Passover bread looks like. Now, I just want to show you a couple things about this. I'm going to just set this here. I'm going to pick this up again. I'm going to break it in a minute to show you something really cool. But I just want you all to see this, and hopefully you can. Can you all see the spots on the bread? Now, that's from the oven cooking it. So... When I spiritualize this, I want you to know that an oven made this brown. But I want you to see that Jesus said later in this story, I'm the bread of life. And I want you to know that the bread of life was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes were healed. Do you see the whole marks? Pierced or wounded. Do you see the, 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 there's line, line, line. That's stripes. By his stripes were healed. His bruises he was bruised for our inside sins. He was cr and crushed by his stripes were healed. And he w and I just think that's cool. That you can look at this piece of bread and you can see the fullness of what Jesus did for us. And this is what's on the menu, everybody. See, here's the deal. If we walk up and we see a menu with this right here, let's be honest for a second. <laughs> be like, yay. This is great. Whenever uh, Lee and I are getting to go right after Christmas back to Israel um, for a week, and um, I'm really excited. I'm helping another buddy lead a trip uh, with his church, and I love it. I love it. I don't even dislike the food. Um, I'm not kosher. Thank you, Jesus. I love bacon. But, <laughs> but I mean, for a week, it's cool, and, and there's some really good food, except for the Sabbath, y'all. It is rough. Like, I mean, you look around on the Sabbath day and it is like, can I please get some leftovers? And this is not the only thing on the menu, but it's pretty much the only thing I'm going to eat because that raw fish that's sitting on the bar, y'all might like sushi, but this ain't sushi. It's them two fish. <laughs> and they ain't cooked and it's weird. And so when we look at what we desire when it comes to what we eat, can I just tell y'all this? What I believe the problem is most of the time is Jesus is not as enticing to our eyes as the sin that so easily entangles us. And we look at this thing right here and we go, I need more than just the bread of life. Failing to realize that God promises you more than you can ask or imagine, but he, he wants you to desire this first. He wants you to understand that this is truly what you need. And if you can figure out that this is really what you need, then he can give you what your heart desires, because it'll be what his heart desires. But most of the time when we look at Jesus, we think to ourselves, if I can just add him to my life, I'm cool with this restaurant, but this is just like an hors d'oeuvre. I'm not really going to go in there for him. If I can just get a little bit of Jesus and a lot of me, I can be someone's end if I can just sprinkle a little Jesus on them. And Jesus wants you to know he's the end. He's, he's your, your entire supply. But when our eye sees it, we go, that's just some bruised up looking cracker. 
That's a big saltine, Pastor Mark. What you talking about? Come on now. Part two is the cost. Somebody say cost. If you have an unlimited supply of money, I'm not talking to you right now. But for the rest of us, I'm just going to, when you walk up to this thing right here and you see the horse Duvers, if y'all didn't laugh right there, it's because you really thought it was horse Duvers, didn't you? <laughs> Come on, somebody, y'all did. <laughs> yeah, I can see like two people like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what he's talking about right now. It's hors d'oeuvres, everybody. It's okay. But when you walk up and you see $27 for an hors d'oeuvre, I'm out. <laughs> this is, maybe this isn't y'all, and I need to continue along because I like to get on rabbit trails, and if y'all don't know that, y'all ain't been here long. But this, this happens. Come on. You're with your wife. You're on a little date night. You're having fun. You look down. This place looks nice, Mark. Can we go here? I don't even talk. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whose credit card did you steal? That's what I want to ask. Because cost matters no matter how intriguing it is. And then every, this is free and I'm just going to just leave this and then if you have to explain it to your kids later, I love y'all with the love of the Lord. But if you're going to spend that much money We better hold hands and pray when we get home is all I'm talking about. <laughs> but now, all joking aside, when it, comes, when it comes to sitting, listen, when it comes to sitting down with Jesus, all right, when it comes to having a meal, when it comes to having true fellowship with the Lord, I find this to be one of the biggest issues that we have in life is it costs. See, salvation is free, but discipleship has a great cost. I just think the words of Jesus are better than my words right here, so I'll just, I'll just say what he said. In Luke chapter 9, at the, at the heading of one of, the, one of the thoughts that Jesus was saying, it says the cost of discipleship. It literally says the cost. And, and he said this, if anyone wants to come after me to be my disciple, he must deny himself. Can I translate? Deny his own desires take up his cross, realize he is only or she is only a means that he's the end. He must deny himself, take up his cross every day, not one time, because that's where we get it wrong, right? We want to eat with Jesus once and think that we're to the end. No, that's, it's an every day sitting down at his table, sitting down at his feet, fellowshipping with our Lord. They must deny himself, take up his cross every day and follow me, follow me. And, and this is what I've noticed about Mark about my life is whenever God wants to change my heart, I'm all in. I love it. I, I believe some of y'all will understand what I'm saying right here. I mean, I'm leaning in and I'm like, yes, this, this is good. This is good. This is good. If you're going to do this, you got to walk away from those people. I'm out. Because this is, this, this, is, this is always where we get to. We get on the cusp and we get to the cost part. And we know what to do. We, I, before someone tells us, we know what to do. But then we say, that's too hard. That costs too much. I don't want to do that anymore. Because we walk up to this thing and we're like, I, I, I think I'm supposed to go into this restaurant. I like how it looks, but that costs too much. That's too hard. That's, that's too much. 
And this is what we say. I'm more comfortable doing it my way. Or, watch this, whatever you came in with your need today, you think to yourself, God can do that in somebody else, but that costs too much to do it in me. I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. And so what we do is we begin to manipulate our way in our own minds to figure out a way that we can make it happen ourselves when it was never supposed to be you that paid for it in the first place. And we find the struggle constantly of how can I fix them? Watch this. You're not going to fix them. Mark, if I'm not talking to anybody else, I'll talk to me. I'm never going to fix y'all. So why not realize that he's enough for me and walk in that? Because it is maddening to go, I, I don't know how to do this, God. So I'm going to do everything I can and drive myself crazy and, 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 and figure out that I can't afford it. You can't afford it. But he already bought it. Watch this. This is so good, y'all. Lifting up his eyes and seeing the large crowd, or excuse me, it says seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. I love this, that Anytime you see this coming, Jesus did leave when the large crowd was trying to leech and just get something from him. But every time he saw the large crowd, he had compassion for them because he knew that he had what they needed. He just wanted them to get it. So he didn't make it frou-frou and fun. Jesus said to Philip, now anytime you get put in a situation by God where you're like, what did you just do? Because I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not ready for this, God. Be excited because God knows that. Watch what it says. Where are we going to buy all this bread? What's wrong with y'all? How are you going to get enough bread for 20,000 people? That's going to cost a lot of money. It's going it's to, this is overwhelming. I don't know what we're going to do and that this many people may eat. And he said it to test him because when God puts you in a situation that you're uncomfortable in, it's not to make you uncomfortable. It's to take you to your next. And anytime we get stuck in our now it's because we think that we got to supply whatever's next. He just wants you to know that, that he's all you need. And so if you try to, listen to this, try to manipulate your way to whatever God, God has for you in your next, you'll stay in your now wishing you could get to your next. And you'll go, ah, if I could just figure this out, God, I just want to pull my hair out. Stop pulling your hair out. Some of y'all are bald already. Stop pulling your hair out. Because God knew what he was going to do. Watch this. For your life, God knows what he's going to do. There is nothing that's going to happen in your life that God is not already fully aware of. So if we could just walk in trust and in faith and not figure it out for ourselves. I'm the world's worst at this, y'all. Stuff's been spoken into my life and I stressed over, how in the world am I going to preach to such and such? How am I going to do? This is what I just, who? I don't know. I don't know, y'all. Here's my answer to how am I going to accomplish everything that God called me to that I know since I was 18, I've had many different people that have never met me before, some of which have met me, that have prophesied in my life, have spoken truth, and, and it's either really random, that's about 15 times with about 15 different people that have spoken into my life, and I go, well, that's the same, that's the same. And so I try to figure out how is my end going to end up, and I focus on the end and not him. My end is not whatever they've said. My end is Jesus, and he will richly supply my need. But as long as I focus on, I've got to figure out how to do this, we'll live in this chaotic, maddening world that we're currently in, a lot of us. Philip said, man, I don't have this much money. 200 denarii is a year's wage. I, dude, 
I don't have this much money to pay all these people so everybody can get a little bit. I can't even feed them a full amount. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, hey, there's a boy over there, and he's got, he's got those five things right there. He's got five little crackers and two sardines. But what's, what good is that going to do? I've heard this my whole life, little as much when God is in it. Right? But we don't really believe that, do we? We love to sing it. We love to talk about it. But if I told y'all right now that those little two crackers were supposed to do something, y'all would look and say, ha-ha. But we might even believe that more because we can see that in the story. But when I say you are the answer, you're the means to the end, you look and say, the cracker has a better chance than me. Right? When God just wants open-hearted people and open-handed people, because he'll supply it through you. He'll supply it through you. So most of us get stuck right here. I believe at the cost point is where most of us get stuck, and we miss that God has already supplied it. Can I show y'all how he already supplied it? Because this is part two of it's easy to skip over this part of the story, and it's really awesome. And it's the setting or the atmosphere, because ambiance matters when you walk into a restaurant, y'all. Do y'all know that? When it comes to setting, it really matters. So when we walk in the restaurant, Jesus, we've looked at the cost. We've said, I'm going to do this thing, and we're going to do it big then. Let's go. This is going to be awesome. I'm not really sure about it yet because I can't figure out how it all works. And, Lord, I need you to feed the 5000 out of this $20 bill that I have, so figure it out. Praise the Lord. But, and we walk in, and we decide to go eat. If you walk in to Burger King or McDonald's, they want you in and out There's actually a place called In-N-Out Burger. I'm pretty sure they don't want you there for two hours if they call it In-N-Out Burger. Are y'all with me? But if you go to an expensive restaurant, Lee and I love to go to Ruth Chris. It's not even the most romantic setting, but I just love the steak. Because a cow that is cooked at medium rare, there's just something, I mean, I get filled with the Holy Ghost right there. But they don't want you to stay for 20 minutes and get in and out. They want you to stay for two hours and give them 200. Right? Because they, they, they set the atmosphere for whatever they expect to, for your result to be. Well, Jesus did the same thing right here, and this is what it says. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, if you just read the story, you can miss this. This is the second part you can miss, and I think it's so freaking cool, y'all. It says, now there was much grass in the place. What? Why didn't they just say, now have the people sit down? So the men sat down, and there was about 500 men, and then there was women and children too, and so we think it was between 15 and 20,000 people total. But why didn't they just say that? Why in the world would he, would he talk about the grass in the field? That's crazy, random, weird, right? No, it's on purpose, and it's to set the atmosphere for you to let you know this. That the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Y'all watch this. Sheep will not lay down until they're full. You are his sheep. And he knows that if you're not filled, you can't rest. So whenever you try to go in and make something happen, but you're not filled with his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his love, and the Holy Spirit isn't filling you every day, that you'll work yourself to death. And I don't care if you got eight hours sleep. That ain't rest. That's sleep. Rest is only in him. Jesus said, I'm the Sabbath. 
And you know what this tells me right here? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters because sheep are afraid of fast-moving water, so he slows it down so we can drink from the living water because he is the cup that never runs dry, and he's the bread of life that constantly gives us newness and hope. And what he wants us to see right here is, and if we could just get this, y'all, it says in Psalm 23, he prepares a table before me. A table is a flat, plateaued piece of grass that the shepherd puts up and then he puts a fence around it and he's the gate for the sheep to be able to go in and out. So there are enemies all around you in this plateaued grass and you're worried about how you're going to fix them and worried about how you're going to make enough and worried about all these other things and he wants you to know this. He's got the supply, you just got to rest in him. He set the atmosphere so we'll just sit down and say, I'm not sure how all this is going to work but I know that you supplied this one and I trust you. I trust that you're all I need. Y'all, it is not by accident that it was Passover time and John put it in there. And it's not by accident that he said, now there was much grass because we have to remember in order for us to find purpose, we got to remember that we're sheep and we're following a really good shepherd. And whenever we can look out and see a grass field, figuratively speaking, he's got everything that you need because he is richly supplying you. And I love this. I shall not want because he doesn't just plan on giving you all you need, but he's not going to give you what you want because he loves you enough to not put that on you. So if you're getting all you want right now and you haven't realized he's all you need, it probably ain't him. And then the meal, this is the good part. Now we're going to eat because the atmosphere has been set. We've counted the cost. We checked the menu, and now we get to eat. And Jesus took what I believe is this. And the other passages say that he broke it. It wasn't real good, but it's close. He broke it. He prayed. And then he gave it out to his disciples. Now, I want you to picture being one of his disciples and receiving this, because this is where many of us get stuck. We've counted the cost, and we've decided to follow Jesus We realize he's what we need, but when we get it in our hands, does it stop there? Because with those five loaves, and I think it really truly looked like this, you can't get real full if you feed 12 with these five and a couple little fishes. So you got a decision to make in your life when it doesn't look like you have overflow in your life, but you get a little bit what you need. Are you going to live open-handed where you'll keep giving it away? Trusting that he'll keep providing for your need or you're going to keep it to yourself because you don't know where the next is going to come from. Because I don't care where you come from. All of us live under that tension at some part of our lives. And if God's called you to it, he's going to richly supply your need. And this is what happens when we sit down in the meal and we realize we're the means and not the end. If it doesn't stop with you, this is what God intends to do. He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. Remember when we take communion, he he says, break it. And at the last supper, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time we open our hands and distribute out what he's put in, we do it in remembrance of him. Your only communion in life is not to eat this cracker, but to live your life by walking in freedom in Christ. That is what it looks like to sit at the table he prepared before you. And, and I love this because immediately he just, he doesn't give a lot of detail. He just says he distributed them to those who were seated, to all the disciples. And then they started giving them out to the pods of 50. 
And it says, so also the fish. And they had as much as they, say the word. Say it again. Do you see the shift? It doesn't say they had as much as they needed. It said they got really full because they trusted them enough to sit down even when they didn't understand. And their wants shifted over to desire because they said, you're what I need. And he started filling them for everything that they wanted because what they wanted was no longer selfish. What they wanted was no longer their the end. And it changed everything because they were willing to sit down. They were willing to sit down and say, we trust you, Father. We trust you. We trust you. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather everything up because God is not a wasteful God. He does not intend to just leave remnant around and just leave scattered stuff because his word never returns void. And it says, gather up the leftovers and they, that nothing may be lost because it is not God's will that anyone should perish. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost and I use you because I'm the bread of life and you're the one that distributes me out. They are dying without Jesus and he's waiting on us to not believe we're the end but just something to be passed through. We are a funnel of God. We can give them everything that they need but it's not us, it's him. And if we will trust him for our next, he will do it now. But if we try to stress over it, it'll never get to them. It is not God's will that any of them perish without Christ. So he gathered them up and filled. Everybody say filled. That's his purpose for you. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is John again. But I've come that you might have life that you're filled up to the fullest. And he had 12 basket fragments from the five loaves left by those who had eaten. So cool. And it says, when the people saw this and what he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who would come into the world. And so this is what we got to ask ourselves is, that's awesome, pastor. What am I supposed to do with this? Here's what we got to do with this. We got to ask ourselves, do we believe 1 Corinthians 5, 7? That Christ is our Passover lamb that has been sacrificed. Because watch this, the people of, e of Egypt, every single one of them that had a firstborn son, every single one with no exception, not the richest, not the poorest, not the, everyone lost a son. Except for the ones whose doorposts had been cleansed and set free. Their house was set free. They had freedom in their homes knowing they could rest easy. Sure, they might have looked out the window to see if they could see the death angel coming by, but they had peace because the lamb had been slain. We don't have to make sacrifices like the Hebrew people do that have missed God because, listen to me, their hearts are hard. It is not a matter of whether or not they have the truth because, y'all, with a cracker, I can show you Jesus. I can, I can never open the New Testament and show you everything that you'll ever need to know about Jesus because he was wounded for my transgressions, crushed for my iniquities, and by his stripes they're healed. Listen, every year the Jewish people open this bread and they eat and they don't know God because their hearts are hard. I don't want you to get this in your head. I want you to receive it in your heart that if Jesus is the only thing you need, you will get richly supplied with what God's purpose is for your life. But if he's not all you need in your heart, it's because it's hit your head and you believe it in your head, some of you, but your heart is hard and you don't understand why you stay stuck in your life. And it's because as soon as you've counted the cost, you say, that's too hard. I need something else. And this is what I'm here to tell you is when Jesus went up on the cross, 
John the Baptist had said, as soon as Jesus came on the scene, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And when he died, every drop of his blood, there's no waste of God's blood. It was sacrificed for you and I. And he became sin so that we could become life. So that we could become his means. Because he's the end. And so this is what I want y'all to take away. Because the next morning, this is what Jesus taught in Capernaum. And I've stood in the place and it's overwhelming to realize, y'all watch, that the next day, John chapter 6 verse 66 is one of the saddest verses in the Bible because it says many left and turned away. That not many people stayed to be a disciple. Why? Because they want Jesus to provide some bread and not be their bread. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm the supply. I'm the end. So answer this question for yourself, not for me. Is Jesus your end, or is he a means and you're the end? Because Jesus supplied everything you need, and he is the end all. He's the answer on the test. And what God wants to make you in Christ is his ambassador to get people to understand through loving them and walking with them that he is the meal. There's no other meal that can satisfy Mark Pangle. Not, not anything you can give me can satisfy me except for the bread of life. And if you want to have purpose in your life, if you want to walk in your calling in Christ Jesus, and if you want to have life, some of you walked in here dead in your sin, but you can have life immediately by simply saying, I trust you, Father, because you gave us Jesus, and in his name, I receive life. I receive life. I receive life. I don't care what you've done in your life. I'm here to tell you that that bread and that lamb is all you need. And he loves you right where you are. And he wants you to receive him for yourself. Will you pray with me, God? Today, I believe you want to change some hearts. And so whatever you want to do, Lord, we just open our hearts up. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to know, if God's talking to you right now, you'll know it in your heart because your heart will be beating fast and you'll feel like someone's choking you out. But it's not someone that's a person in flesh. It's the person of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart. And he wants you to have a relationship and fellowship every day with him by simply saying, yes, I will follow you. So I need to know in this room, who is it that would say, pastor, you're talking straight to me. I'm ready to have a meal with Jesus and walk with him every day by trusting him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up and say, pastor, that's me. All over the room, who is it? Come on, he wants to have a relationship with you and walk with you. Thank you. Will you keep your hand up, sir? Anybody else in the room? We got one man that's bold enough to raise his hand and say, that's me. I just want to know, is there anybody else in the room that would say, that's me? That's me. I'm ready to do that. I love you, my brother that raised his hand, and I'm pumped for you and believe that God, man, I've already watched God work in your life, and I'm so pumped about what this is going to look like going forward. I just wonder for everybody else, we're about to sing Blessed Assurance, y'all, and it is so good. My goodness, this song. I just want to know, is that your, can you sing this as your life song? That Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste 
of glory divine, that we're sitting at his feet and that he is the meal, that he is our end supply, and that my purpose is found in the person of Jesus, that I can walk in my calling not by what you think about me, but what he said about me. And if not, I just challenge you to find one of our prayer team after the service or find us at the prayer wall or down front is where some of the prayer team will be and just, just let us begin to walk with you because that's what this is all about. That's, we walk by faith and not by sight together, locking arms because when we are weak, he is strong. And we just celebrate Jesus. Will y'all stand with me as I pray, God? We just celebrate you because you really are our entire supply and God, there's nothing like restaurant, all things are possible because it's true, it's real, but it's not by power or by might, it's by your spirit that all things are possible, Lord, and we trust you. And God, now we just raise our hands and we worship you. We let worship carry us out today because it is truly what our hearts desire, to, to return glory where it belongs. Every one of us are just pieces of a really large puzzle. But together we can change the world and we believe that. And so, God, we just glorify your name. You're worthy of all praise. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.